Fall back in the comics, everyone. It's time for another episode of the Excalibros. Yay! Hooray! I, I say that because it's it's we're falling back time wise. I think you did last week, the week before. Yeah, yeah, we um we lost an hour. Okay, yeah, we lost an hour last week. So you lo- Oh, yeah. I thought we gained an hour in, in the fall. Did we lose an hour? No, we I gained an hour. Gained an hour. Yes, time went backwards last week for yes. reasons. For reasons unknown. Uh, which sounds like a great Excalibur premise. Uh, unfortunately, this this week we're covering an Excalibur book that we is, is pointless. <laughs> it's got no purpose. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the new one because we have thoughts on that. But this first issue, oh boy, Dan, this these were issues. Yeah, it's it's an interesting week um, mm. set of books. Anyway, this time around, yeah, it is. Interesting covers all manners of sins, doesn't it? Hmm. I just like we'll get into the cover, but it does. I have something to say about the cover, just because it, because the way my my book is like hidden some text essentially. Okay. Well, so. well, let's let's dive into it then. We're we're covering uh, four books this week. We'll get two Excaliburs, one Exiles, one Gen X, and we're going to start uh, with Excalibur number twenty. And on the cover, we have Captain Britain facing off against Phoenix uh, up in the skies with uh, sort of the flames flying off of the back of uh, Rachel there and, and Captain Britain charging out in one fist large, one leg minuscule in the background, uh, perspective-wise. <laughs> His right leg looks kind of atrophied. Um, but, uh, he looks chunky. He looks very chunky apart from one leg where he generally looks like a peg leg. Yes. Uh, but on the cover, Dan, I don't know if... Do you want me to read the text or do you want to say what you, you can see first? Well, well basically, because mine's in a, a big collection, so that it's sort of semi-folded. Obviously, uh-huh. so, the, so the main text is Captain Britain versus Phoenix, which is really like, right. sort of, ooh, ah, special. <laughs> then right in the um, right-hand corner, it's just like almost like a whisper on mine. It's like, over the fate of, Doct- of Demon Dru- Druid. Like it's like it almost feels like a question. It's sort of hidden within the crease slightly of mine. Okay. So it kind of like <laughs> whisper, like like it's trying to sell you on this massive fight, but really it's nothing about that. <laughs> it's like this book. Actually, this book isn't about Catherine Britton versus the Phoenix or about the Demon Druid. It's about Megan's like emotional crisis with this horrible man that she's dating. <laughs> I know. And to be fair, nothing is resolved by the end of it. No, and uh, spoilers. But this, this, this it, the preface of the book says a story that took place before the the cross time caper. And you're like, oh, do we need this? Does it help at all? No, it's it's just I guess Claremont needed another another month to get the book ready, so we have this fill in issue. And boy, oh boy, I can't believe they charged money for this one. Um, so let's let's dive into this 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 mess just, here, Dan. Just, with the with the way the book is, it, it feels like this it being before the cross time caper. Feels like this could have just been at the same time as the time because this this, this storyline has not been resolved in any way shape at or form. Nope. So, but anyway, unfortunately, we have some, or maybe fortunately, I think in in, in my opinion, unfortunately, we have some fill in. Um, Creatives on this this issue, we have Michael Higgins as the guest writer, Ron Lim as the guest penciler, guest anchor is Joe Rubenstein, uh, letter a uh, guest letter is Augustine Moss, and the colors is Glennis Oliver. So at least at least she's she's around. <laughs> the one saving grace. Fair, the, 
to be fair, the colour work isn't isn't that bad. No. Um, certainly not the worst thing. No. <laughs> so we start in uh, in England somewhere, and we are a couple, which. All right. First off, this couple feels like a very what's what's the phrase fall and spring couple or winter winter spring kind of couple here. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. This is an old guy with like could be graying hair and a giant mustache with this young woman, and they've climbed this mountain uh, that is uh, called Arthur's Seat because they want to get a good picture. There's an earthquake. He drops his camera and he tries to blame his his, his significant other. So you know. I guess theme-wise, on point of just a terrible man treating this woman badly. <laughs> like a preface for what we're going to see here. Um, and suddenly, a portal opens, and they are transported away. And in his in their place comes the demon druid, who have, I've never seen before. Dan, have you seen the demon druid before? No, and I generally thought it was the evil version of Adam Waller when I first looked at it. <laughs> yes. I've, I've never heard of him. Um, maybe I should have. I don't know. I feel like I should have. Um, maybe he was in part of the top of Cross Time Caper. There's a big deal being made. I feel like uh, he may have appeared in like a Captain Britain issue like way back in the day or something. Yeah, I just, I can't play, you know when you just can't place him? Or mm-hmm. it's like, don't, nothing. The way this dude is, he's like all blue. Like his, 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 like unitard is a dark blue and his skin is a little bit lighter blue with some orange highlights and, and like, White hair. He looks like he could be like a henchman straight out of He-Man. Is is the way that he's created here? Yeah, he's he's boring. Yeah. Uh, so he he appears, and then we cut to uh, zoom in on what is uh, Megan's uh, really distraught, sort of quote unquote ugly face as she's crying over Captain Britain. And for a second, I was like, "Why is this demon druid guy crying in the camera suddenly? What happened?" It wasn't really clear that this was, you know, at first that we were jumping into someone else. Yeah, I generally thought he was like, he's just saying, he just teleported and said, I must be ugly. That seems really weird. Yes. (laughs) So she's upset because Brian is, you know, ignoring her again. I I don't understand. She's like the most lovely, like sweet, uh, beautiful woman. And he's like, "Ah, I can't. How can I be with her? I need to be with someone way sluttier, I think, is, is his thoughts. Uh, but she's upset, and that quality tries to console her because they've got a nice friendship going on. I'm glad that that is uh, continued on in this book. And she's sort of, you know, with her emotional state, her body fluctuates in her appearance, so she gets, like, large, and then she gets really feral, and she has an argument with Nightcrawler, and she flies away all upset. And i got to ask you, Dan, you know, Brian Lim, I don't really have a, an opinion one way or the other. I don't feel like his pencils here are terrible. It just feels pretty sort of standard. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like it's it's kind of like of that eight. Because Ron Lim, I've never been. I'm not that. I know we should all be like, oh, it's Ron Lim. We should love him. But I'm like, mm. so so Drew fan off. Who cares? Um, but it, for this book, it does what it needs to do. Yeah, yeah. It's very like there, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 serviceable. Maybe a little bit better than serviceable, but uh, nothing nothing stands out here. Uh, after Megan flies away, we cut to the captain and his lady friend. Who he's he's just like kissing under a light in London. Like he's he's still dating Megan, right? Why is he just like smooching it up with this woman? I don't get it. Because 
Courtney's got white hair, not like, blonde hair. I don't, it's really like it's just because they used to be they used to be both they used to go out with each other when they were younger. Right, but but do you just like meet up with your exes and start like late at night meet up with them, kiss them out in public, and go back to their apartments? Is that something that you do? No, <laughs> clearly not. Um, but this is before Courtney gets turned into whatever happened to Courtney. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she's like all up for it. She's all like, "Yeah, I'm gonna have him back." Yeah. And just steal him off his uh, super-powered girlfriend. I do want to say I like how Ron Lim does uh, Captain Britain. I love that he really gets the the big '80s hair going correctly with the, with Brian here, and he he draws him really big and buff, which is the the style of Captain Britain that I like. And I do like the fact that, like, to be fair to like the art, actually, it does um, the characters do emote and act. Oh yes, like, we have had some. <clears throat> Terrible art, and I really like um, skipping one page ahead. That when Megan does go to engage the demon druid, um, she transforms into a Godzilla. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed just the idea and also the visual of it is quite nice. Yeah, it's a mini fat Godzilla. The more the more I look at this, maybe I was a little too harsh on Ron Lim. Like I don't, I still don't feel like it's it's Alan Davis levels, but it's it's interesting. Especially his Godzilla. I really like all the, like, craggly details in there. Yeah, I just don't... I've never been, like, a... I've never seen it. Like, the like he's a really good artist, but I've never seen it, if you know what I mean, when everyone else goes on about him being, like... Mm-hmm. I feel like they say he's the greatest because he was just on a few famous stories as opposed to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it doesn't but, doesn't grab me the way it grabs some people. And he does... Because he does know how to... I suppose it's because he knows how to draw a woman's figure in a sultry manner because every panel after Godzilla mm. um, yeah women yes they are well let's get into it like uh, Megan sees Brian and Courtney kissing so she flies off all upset uh, they go out up into Courtney's apartment uh, cut to Megan encounters the demon druid and she transforms into Godzilla which is kind of cool she flies down we get a nice close up of his face which he does emote like he's got a nice, uh, angry, devious smile going on there. It's not a bad panel. Nope, not all. But he still reminds me a lot of like the evil Adam Warlock character. Yeah, he could be any random like action figure character here. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> this is true. So Godzilla shoots some fire and he absorbs the energy, and we're not really sure what his powers are because it's whatever. He's just like doing stuff. Um, and we cut back to the apartment where Courtney is in just like lingerie in her bedroom watching TV while Brian's out in the living room just like chilling on the couch. I don't know what kind of date. They had sex. I it feels know. like they've had sex. This is like the aftermath. I don't know. It's so weird. Because suddenly, like this Godzilla fight's on TV for some reason. And she's just like chilling and watching it. And he's in another room. And what? It, what I don't know what they're doing. It's, it's weird. Whatever. Just, I, feel, I feel like Brian's cheated on him now. So like, yeah. Know. I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, then we see uh, Rachel and, and Shadowcat are out. I don't know, looking around the city, and they they found like some devil bar because uh, there's lots of like devil worshiping bars in in London, right? And uh, they they move away, and then they see Megan flying all upset. So. Rachel changes their outfit, uh, uniforms, and uh, they go after Rachel. Uh, the, yeah, they go after um, Megan, and all this dialogue is just, "Hey, I'm upset. 
let me talk about me being upset as I draw this person upset so you understand what's happening. It's uh, You couldn't be more... Like, like you, you know we talk about... You know what we talk about, like, letting the art tell the story? This is the, like, complete opposite. You couldn't be more, like, descriptive about what's happening in the book in the dialogue, if you know what I mean. I, I've never seen... Maybe Claremont asked him <clears throat> to be like him. <laughs> Therefore, he's doing his best Claremont impression. It, it, yes, he's being the worst, the best worst Claremont he can be, yeah. Oof. Uh, so we we go back to the demon druid who's expositing and fighting, and he absorbs enough energy where Megan, I don't know, I don't know if he's like turned her into stone or if just her emotional state has transformed her into like a stone tablet. But uh, there she is. Kitty sees this and faces through him, and something weird happens. But they don't really explain what happened. They just say something weird happens, and uh, and he like disappears. The druid disappears. Uh, they they yep. they pick up Megan and they go back to the lighthouse. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. And then there. Like everything's just ended. There's no need to carry on. There, there is none. And they're there, and they're like, "There's a plan that they're working on," but they don't explain. They don't explain that. <laughs> and it seems like Megan's calmed down until Brian comes home. He's like, "Get away from me, woman! I ain't got time for you." And she gets all upset again, and and they go off to bed, upset at each other. Fine. I don't even understand why Brian's upset. Like, I don't understand why he comes in like an asshole. He's mm. just like, "Fuck you all," and he's just, it's just like, "What?" Yeah. Just, just him being a jerk. Um, Kitty's fallen asleep as she's been working on something. She wakes up and suddenly Brian's there in his uniform, and, and he's like a smart dude now. Uh, and, and he's really nice. Yeah, and he's fixed her, 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 her like tech. I don't, I don't get it. Like, when did this happen? Because he's always been like a, a physicist or whatever, wasn't he? In the very first issues, where he was like. I'm a physicist, and then they just and then Claremont just made him a jerk. Made him a, <laughs> like a dumb jerk, like a socially dumb idiot. Yeah. So, obviously, this is a different Brian. Mm-hmm. Maybe this. Brian. The way the dialogue has it, it almost feels like he's been replaced uh, by someone else. But he's. I like... generally thought. I generally thought that the one that had a go at them was the demon druid. Right. At one point, because this one's too nice to yeah. be normal Brian. <laughs> Well, they're like, all right, we got a plan. Let's let's go after the demon druid, and and they they go out there, uh, but you know Brian, being the, the asshole he is, flies out first, and they're like, what an idiot. He he, he we're a team. We gotta be a team. And so Nightcrawler bams them all there, and uh, he does like the one thing he does all issue, and he has to rest because he's teleported five people, and as uh, Brian Braddock's about to like try to beat up this this dude who's probably just gonna like absorb his energy suddenly the phoenix appears before him and they have a panel of them yelling and then the phoenix knocks him down and that's the end of the fight like that's the that's the big showdown was like two panels yep <laughs> um yep and then kitty's like hey i found a way to open your portal so you can get home and the demon druid's like oh cheers thank you goodbye and he disappears and they're like see brian why don't you listen the end okay <laughs> Nothing is resolved. Megan's still upset at Brian. Brian's still an ass. Like, the team did something, I guess. This evil character appeared for reasons. I don't... There's no point to any of this issue other than uh, we need to put something on the stands for a month. So just, like, do this dumb story and we're done. 
I don't. I don't know why. Why? Why are we reading this issue? Um, I, I don't know. This is the worst type of filler, mm. as well. But there's no like. Nothing. <laughs> nothing changes. There's no. There's no like, uh, no great massive moment where Brian's like, oh, maybe I'm a jerk, or Megan's like, maybe I should get over him, and stuff like that. There's there's nothing like that at all. Like it doesn't even it loosely relates to what's happening in the cross time caper. Like when I say loosely, I mean like it's so tangential. It's in a different solar system to yeah. that story. But mm-hmm. like the arts has is a is a, is an, a massive improvement to the previous uh, art. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. I would I wouldn't mind seeing more of Ron Lim on the actual t- cross time caper. Uh, like the color work is really good. I think the characters do actually do um, some great sort of emoting mm-hmm. and. The action's a bit one-sided. Like it's it's sort of just sort of really. Too, it's gonna sound weird. Really two-dimensional. Um, I know it's on a page, um, but to advertise this giant conflict and then be like, it is just three panels long. Um, is is the is usual of comics to be fair. But um, sure. It just I don't know. There's just nothing there. And, it, and Brian, I think is Brian having a moment in his life. Because he is flip flip flopping around emotionally more than, you know, I mean, every issue, he's like, I'm angry. Now I'm good. Now I'm angry. <laughs> like, there's no like. I feel like he's having a bit of a breakdown. Bless him. But um, and it is boring now. The Nightcrawler's like, oh, I've teleported once. I'm just gonna lay here while the rest of you do stuff. <laughs> I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that he's in some really low-cut, wonderful, like onesie pajamas uh, earlier in the issue. <laughs> at, at least the, the at least the remit, the editorial mandate having the best dressed character is still going on. Yes, um, I, I don't know how Rachel has managed to find a corset that's also a mini skirt dress, um, but she did. Um, but yeah, it's, we don't need to focus on it. It's 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 filler, mm. and it's the best way to describe it. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, we want we we want Alan Davis back drawing this right. Um, but uh, in terms of as a fill-in artist compared to the other, where they had like that uh, anime-inspired artwork for a minute, this is much better than that. This is. Not the greatest thing, but uh, I would much prefer this to some of the other fillers we've had. Amen. Hmm. Well, that was a throwaway issue of Excalibur. Uh, next uh, next uh, episode, we're going to get back to more of the cross-time caper with the penciler Chris Wozniak, who doesn't ring a bell for me at all. Nope, but be happy in the knowledge in 20, issue 23, uh, Dave's back. All right, so just a few few more months and we'll be back into it. Yes. Yay. Well, that's good at least. Hi. Well, Dan, why don't we move on from an uninteresting and unimportant issue of Excalibur into... Exiles. Exiles. 21. 21. Um, yeah, it's 21, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Right? It Crazy. Is. The second part of our little phalanx story... Um, Written by Judd Winnick. Um, Jim Calafiori is the pencils. It's John Holdridge, I think, is inkers. And Transparency Digital is the colorist. With Paul Tuturone and David Sharp as lovers. Uh, calling to my giant book of fun facts. 
Yep, that's um, right. Um, then on the cover we have Georges Janty. Yes, Georges Janty. Uh, we have Sunfire having more space here than she's ever had. Um, so this is Marioka um, having fun in the city, which why not? Why not just have her on the front cover and not even sell the story inside? Um, yeah, you know, Exiles, that, more than any other book we read, has these random covers that have nothing to yeah. do with anything. So bizarre. But um, it's not a bad cover. It's basically like a really sort of... It's a pin-up if you couldn't find a better pin-up. Mm-hmm. Character. Um, the color, I don't like the color work, to be honest. The sky just looks bizarre. But... There Some kind is. of you know, weird painted, I don't know, watercolor sort of style. It, it doesn't really work color-wise, yeah. Um, so there we go. That was the cover. <laughs> and in the uh, main... We, we start in the main frame, which is the home of the phalanx, or V... v whatever they're called. Velox. And um, the guy in charge of all the Velox, we find out, is Forge, because of his ability to talk and manipulate machi- machinery and technology itself uh he's come he's the de facto leader and him and um banner are talking and apparently some vlogs have touched an exile enough to so he now knows that they're gonna <sighs> attack them phrasing it's, it's it's such a weird like thing to give the villain and then we jump to a giant uh double page spread of all the people that are alive um they include people like Ice Gal, Frog, Leech, uh, Emma Frost, Spider-Woman, I'm not going to name them all. Everyone's there listening to Hank Pym's plan. Morph's not particularly impressed. Right. Um, so we have, he, in, in sorry to cut in, Dan, but, you know, it's Exiles, so we have some familiar faces and some slightly different faces. So, like, Ice Girl instead of Ice Man, right? And, frog instead of Toad. Right. And we've got, who I thought was super interesting was Power Fist, just Power Man plus Iron Fist combination dude here, which was really interesting. I never thought I would see that. That was quite cool, to, to be fair. And we've got like um, obviously Rachel and a Daredevil looks fucking terrifying. Um, <laughs> with his I'm on coffee all the time eyes, uh, and we have a lighter coloured blue beast, just in case you were wondering where Beast was. Mm. And Leech is fully grown. I, I like that that the choice of making Leech a grown up. And um, uh, Emma is in a wheelchair. Hmm. So, As kind of Professor X-like, yeah. So. And in the background, if you didn't notice, we already know that she, um, Sasquatch is... Um, Heather is, is black, and she's there, sit there in a human form, right at the back, next to Cal. And later so on, she might even have one line to say. I know. Isn't it, isn't it remarkable? Um, so yeah, the plan... <laughs> It's so weird. But, you know, there might even be more lines um, than Mariko gets to say, though, to be honest. (laughs) So, basically, uh, the plan is to put a virus in Doug, um, who started the whole thing in the first place, and it'll just cure everything. It's essentially the the, um, idea, but they have to go to the mainframe, which has all the super-powered V-locks in there, and Morph, quite rightly, is like, this is insane. Morph does his best warlock impression, a great Abe Lincoln, and the guy just filled with arrows, which is, I can't remember which general that is, but it's quite a fun panel to see. Um, and I love the fact that it's just because he's selfish. <laughs> he's the one who died. Yeah. Quite fair. Um, For sure, and yeah. 
then we have like a everyone talks to everyone down a corridor scene where new, um, fresh, this is going to sound harsh, but fresh off a dead boyfriend and miscarriage, uh, Nocturne's totally fine uh, hooking up with random strangers just before the end of the the world. Sure. Um, I was just kind of like, oh, and she's been tortured as well, I suppose. Maybe she just needs a bit of a release. I don't know. They made a real big deal of her being emotionally unready for anything or anyone later in life, like two issues ago. Yes, and now and she's... Now she's well, you know, if, if you know, you saw Power Fist around. Yep. Yeah, um, you might be into it. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't, I, um, depending on... Um, then we have our first... <laughs> uh, you laugh now, but we have our first uh, interaction with America who actually talks to Spider-Girl, um, who uh, Spider-Woman, sorry, who ends up being Mary Jane Watson of that universe. And there's a heavy hint... They're a bit smitten with each other. Mm. So, well, I say heavy hint. Uh, I might be just filling in the blanks of what happens later. But um, no, you it's know, there. it's there. It's definitely there. Um, so I was like, oh, lesbians, excellent. Um, and then <laughs> that's she's the like, not that's the blurb that would have gone on the review for this yeah. issue. Well, she's not allowed to do anything at all. It's no. nice to see it. And then lesbians, I do like the fact excellent. I, I do like the fact that Mark is. Um, at first, you think he's going to ask Rachel to to go to bed with him. It's like something a little bit different, which um, may pay off later mm. or may not. Then we have Blink trying to be happy and uh, Mimic being just miserable. A miserable it's, bastard, yeah. It's, he's not as strong as everyone else, and his eyes are stone stay in the same place on his face mm. which was kind of weird to see and then there's, so yeah so he's just upset because he wants to go home everything's rubbish it sh- he sounds like a teenager so he does cool. and like um, he's like just be my friend uh, to Clarice and Clarice is like um, aren't we more than friends question mark I feel like, yeah, he should have, in his head, he's like, yeah, we're friends with uh, benefits. It's, it's probably what he was thinking here, because he is not into the relationship, like the uh, deeper relationship at all here. He's just like, yeah, yeah, sure we are. And um, then we jump into, um, what I will say about the coloring is when there is digital black coloring, it makes everything else look horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, just, like, America's hair is just really out of place. So is Frog's hair. Well, not out of place. Oh, yes. It's just, like, black blob of of color. Yep. And Beast is now a lighter, a different shade of blue um, with white highlights in places, which is just bizarre. But anyway, yes, the teams go off to the mainframe. There's one big old team, which is a distraction, and another team led by uh, Mimic, and another team led by Blink, which is, like, the sort of go in and do the virus business. Um, all of the Superfire Vlogs take the bait. They attack um, our friends. And um, we have Rhino get squished by the Hulk. We have the Blob get infected by Spider-Man. In a creepy, to be fair, that is a creepy panel. Yeah. Like feeding him through his mouth. Um, and then we cut to Clarice and Co. inside the egg chamber. And Forge just... Because... The plot demands it to be a free issue story. 
Uh, Forge just knows where they are. Um, jumps in, is super powerful because he's the leader of them. Takes out most of the people and then vomits the virus into Blink, essentially. And then Blink teleports everyone out. And unfortunately, um, everyone's like, oh, did we do it? And Mimic's like, nah, something went wrong. And Blink's all half V-lock, half Blink. And then she's like, oh no, we failed. The Talos is telling us we have to blow up the planet at the end. <laughs> Essentially. To be fair, out of, to, to be absolutely fair, um, I actually have vivid memories of this issue. Okay. Not because of not because of the actual um, beginning of it, but because of the end of it. Because you had hinted before, at this last time we recorded, yeah. Because the issue before um, said something like, "Someone's going to die," and there's a picture of one of them or something. I think that's like the front cover of maybe the next issue, or not. Um, I remember this because I just remember being shocked that out of all the people that could possibly be infected by the Borg, I mean the Marvel Borg, the, whatever they are. <laughs> um, I didn't think Blink would ever be the one touched. Right, of, like, right. Story, story inv- invincibility. Um, so I was pretty shocked that it was Blink that was infected. And I remember being like, oh my god, if she's dead, do I carry on with the series? Because <laughs> I, I was heavily invested in, as probably you were, at the time I was heavily invested in Blink being a thing. Of course. I still am invested in Blink being a thing. But I was more into Blink um, than any of the other characters at the time, mm-hmm. and I and I was like, if she dies and disappears, I'm bothered about carrying it on with the rest. Well, let's be fair. Blink's the one with the most like backstory sort of fleshed out. The one we we see interact and emote more. There's like her is like the A level, and then maybe uh, Morph and I don't know Cal, the level below that, and then all the other characters have like very little. <laughs> interaction you know it's like if 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 it's not her then there's no weight to this story because they're like oh really sasquatch uh i guess she said something before i don't even remember her first name you know if it's not blink why would we be invested in this story because visually because like obviously not tense had a bit of storyline but only a bit yes um but visually like when i remember the first issue and seeing the front cover i was like there's a female nightcrawler um like tj's like you say, TJ does little, but then at the same time, I suppose at the time I probably wasn't um, thinking ahead of the idea of like, oh, if Blink actually disappears, the rest of them might get a time to shine. Right. And this could this could be like a um, like a, not an editorial, but like a, a Judd Winnick and that being like, oh, well, we'll take Blink out because then we can like she's got us this far selling the book, and then mm-hmm. maybe we can experiment with it. Right, and if we pick, if we take Blink out, we can be like, I suppose the, the easiest way to equate it was like early seasons of Game of Thrones or something, where they just kill major characters off. Um, sure, sure. It, and it's like a ballsy, ballsy move to take out your main mm-hmm. straight away. Um, but we'll see what happens. Um, on the whole, it's quite a sort of, um, <laughs> you could squish the first issue and this issue together. Yeah, and you still get the same, still get the same result. Yeah, if you if you cut the idea that they teleport in, then they get infected, find the people because that's exactly what happens in the first part of the story. 
find the people and then find out that all the superheroes are infected and then formulate a plan and then have like a one page cut off to Forge being like the super daddy or whatever and then go and do <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then go and do the, go and do the plan and then Blink gets infected that's 22 pages right there yeah <laughs> what I'm saying I, I do like decompressed storytelling but when it's done well right um <laughs> This feels like another one of those uh, free issue, and um, I don't know why it's Excalibur. Exiles it always does these free issue stories. Yeah, like it's be free issues. It can't be just two or four. It has to be three. Yeah, this should um, have been two or really spread out with more character beats and made it four. This is, yeah, it's 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 a lot here with not a lot being there. If you know what I mean. But um, I like the ideas in it. The art's not too bad. Uh, some of the creepy panels of them getting infected is quite fun to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the fight was a bit bland. Totally uh, just bland, like yeah. Just yellow, yellow and black blobs fighting our characters, essentially. Um, yeah. And I don't think the emotional beat hits quite as hard as it wants it to hit mm-hmm, at the end. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. Because we just have Cal, Cal being like, I don't like anything. <laughs> like, I could do without those two pages, or four pages. They could have just been put in a bit. Because um, we know that Cal's like upset with life, so we don't need to have four pages dedicated to being upset at life. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, it's a massive. It's like that horribly bad, written, badly written moment of, I don't love anyone. Oh, she's upset. Oh, no, she's, oh, she's injured. I now love her again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, eh. um, I weirdly though saying that that I enjoyed the quick the, like the pace of it and i enjoyed how it just sort of flows straight into and i think it's got a really decent cliffhanger especially if you don't know the outcome um mm-hmm. i think it does have like a nice shock value for it so yeah yeah i i feel like we had uh the issue before we really enjoyed the artwork here it's it's not quite the same level uh but uh it's decent. There's some, as you mentioned, the fight is completely boring. It's just one panel of posing hero versus posing villain, and then next panel of different posing hero versus different posing villain. Uh, it's kind of, kind of pointless. I really love the um, morph uh, as warlock uh, panel. That was that was lovely. Yeah, it's it's an alright issue. Um, I wasn't like super happy with it, but compared to uh, the first Excalibur issue and the next Gen X issue, it, this was uh, the standout of our, our traditional three here, for sure. Aye. Mm. All right, well, uh, I guess next issue we wrap up this the storyline, right? Three-parter. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel is, like it does. Is that a shocking ending, Dan? S- super shock? Um, It's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, um, all right. That was that was Exiles. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> all right. Let's let's move on into Generation X number nine. Generation X number nine. Dan, this is the second part. I want to say in a two-part story where we travel to some medieval land that uh, the Cassidy Keep has been transported to. On the cover, we have. Uh, our main man chamber with blue fire coming out of his chest as he's helping some little pink elven girl escape off a cliff. 
um, which I would say this artwork is probably the best artwork of the issue. The, yep, the cover. Yeah. It says a world is about to die and only the boy called Chamber can stop it. And that's that's true enough, at least. That is blue fire. That's what I'm saying. Blue fire and then just like random pink, purple, I don't know, paintbrushes going on in the background. Even things like, because this is uh, Bacalo, isn't it? So even this, but it doesn't, it feels like it's phoned in. Yeah, well, bit. he's only doing like a third of the page here. He's got like a, the, yep. the left third is the castle, then he's got the figures, and then everything else is just really early digital coloring, which doesn't hold up at all. Nope. Like if you thought Exiles had bad times with digital colors, hmm, think again. This is this is worse. I. <laughs> I feel like you've gotten closer to the mic, Dan. Is, is, I have. I... Are I you... moved slightly closer to the mic. Is that, is that okay with you? <laughs> oh, no, totally. It feels like you, you wanted to get intimate with this issue is how it feels. That's all. No, I'm going to phone it in just like they did. Um... <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Well, um, we start off with Skin and Penance uh, holding the gate against a sort of uh, mafia-type uh, dragon character who's chomping on a cigar and, and trying to bust in. And they... they... They have some back and forth here, which is, meh, it's all right. I mean, the, the highlight of the issue, if there's a highlight, is, is still Lobdell's writing, even though I feel like this issue is a little bit uh, tropey, especially with some of the dialogue choices here. It is a bit. I feel like this is, feels really... I don't know, it seems like it's such an odd choice after you've just done, like, uh, the Age of Apocalypse stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, like, a, like, an underground sewer of mutant stuff. It's like, oh, let's do fantasy now. Like, like, um, it's trying to be early Excalibur. Yeah, it kind of feels that way. Yeah, it it doesn't hit it. No. So the creatives for this issue: we have Scott Lobdell as the writer, Tom Grummet as the penciler, Mark Buckingham and Al Milgram as inkers. Letter is Richard Starkings from Comicraft, and the colors Steve uh, Bucciolato and Electric Cran. So there's them. then we just continue on with uh, the dragon sort of, I don't know, jarring back and forth with Skin. Skin decides to light a cigarette off of the dragon fire with, oh, this this digital fire and smoke is, is pretty, pretty piss poor, Dan. It just, the, the smoke is just terrible. And it feels like pasted on top of it, almost. Yeah, it's definitely layered, isn't it? Yeah. It feels like they're like, oh, well, let's do layers of colors, and the smoke can come. I assume it's trying to. I don't know. It's horrible. Mm. I don't. Artistically, I actually don't mind Grimmett um, because I like his Superboy work, but here, it just. That penance face at the end, it's just. Meh. Yeah, uh, I, I don't enjoy his faces. I, I kind of don't mind his dragon, though, um, even though the coloring seems really randomly highlighted here yeah i suppose it is a decent dragon compared to everything else yeah <laughs> so uh skin says he's gonna stop the dragon which makes him laugh and the skin's like oh, screw it i'm gonna go get a sword uh we get to see inside the fort where this fairy queen looking a little bit more uh, aged and disheveled um have you seen the Rankin bass hobbit movie like the animated yes. one yeah yes, i have she she looks like the elves from that. They look sort of like old and wretched, yeah. 
<laughs> yes, she does. Uh, but she's like, oh, they're going to fix my machine. Everything's going to be fine. And Skin's like, yeah, there's a dragon out here. And everyone's like, shut up. Get out of here. We don't need you. Uh, they just ignore him for some reason. Um, and people are trying to fix the machine. And Jubilee has a moment with Husk. And it's really just kind of throwaway dialogue. Uh, then we cut back to Skin uh, talking to the dragon again. The dragon's like, hey, where's your sword? And Skin's like, oh, I forgot it. And apparently that's the funniest thing in the world because the, the dragon falls on his back laughing and Skin goes back to get his sword again. Uh, lots of fun times, Dan, is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm chuckling. Are you chuckling? It's hilarious. Mm. Then we see some Banshee Emma Frost action uh, inside the keep. Uh, action as in dumb banter back and forth as they squabble. Um, it's kind of pointless. And then their guide is taken out by a troll, and they're like, oh, what do we do? And Emma's like, well, you were upset that I used my psychic powers before, so there's no way I'm going to use them now, even though we're in trouble, which made a lot of sense. <laughs> it's just, it's just how things are just happening. Mm, just happening, happen. yeah. Um, and then we cut to Chamber and Sink, who feel very off-model and are with these little, like, troll kids trying to help out. And they're like, hey, I hear Banshee. Let's go help. And they knock down a wall, and these bricks fall on this troll. And they're like, hey, teamwork. And that happened. I, <laughs> I don't particularly find this well-drawn or colored, Dan. Uh, what did you no. think of these pages? I just think that this, this feels weirdly just... It's hard to say. Like, the characters look off slightly. Like, um, Very, yeah. It's obviously like a... It's almost as if someone's added extra muscle to Sink Sinch's face. Yeah. Sink's face. Like I don't understand why he's got like extra eyebrow. Like instead of eyebrows, he has like muscles there instead. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's kind of weird to see. And like Chambers' fire is all just before it's like flowing and lovely. And now it just looks like someone's just sellotaped. Like that. You know, if you cut like like Halloween's just happened. Obviously, and you do arts and crafts for your kids, and you just sl- slap fire on them after you've made it out of like some paper. Uh huh. It, it feels kind of like someone just slapped some paper, cardboard fire on his face, and be like, "There you go, carry on." It and, does. Like, yeah. And because, and it's mainly because of the digital coloring, because they go to town on um, uh, Chambers' fire and uh, Sink's aura. And whereas Sink's all sort of works because it's all like supposed to be rainbow and mm-hmm. overly colorful, um, the pure whiteness in in the middle of Chambers' fire, which is right next to his face, and the fact they don't highlight his face. No, because they didn't know. I'm it's... I'm pretty certain they like did the characters first, and then they slapped the uh, the digital coloring on top, so they had no idea where the the light was even going to come from, you know, or how it was going to look. So it looks off. Like light is highlighting people's faces from this, and also, um, like Everett's black, right? Yeah, that's in in the um, the coloring has been a bit light for him in the previous issues, but here it's it's really I don't know if it's just like he's supposed to be lit up everywhere, but he's literally got white on him yeah. all the time. It's really bizarre. Hmm. It's a bizarre choice because I don't think black people turn white if you shine light on them pretty sure we had uh, an issue with uh how storm was colored in in marauders that is tame by comparison to this <laughs> yeah yeah 
Like he's literally being whitewashed by the light around him. Mm. Remember we had those those issues where I don't remember who was drawing a few issues ago before we we leapt into this other world where where Emma was like a, a stick figure with big boobs and uh, the art was very sexualized. Yes, definitely still better than what we're getting here. I think. I think maybe you're right. Like, um, just to skip slightly ahead, I think the fight between the dra- I think the best art in this is the dragon and uh, skin. Yep. Like that scene. Also, probably the best scene in in the book is that little story, that little B plot. Oh yeah. I mean, we can cut right to oh, it now. Skin jumps on the dragon. He's got his his hands sort of wrapped around uh, his eyes and his mouth. Uh, he's got he's got his sword, and they're fighting. And there's a little bit of quipping going back and forth. And it's it's the one part of the story I was a little bit interested in. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Skin's he's got to battle this dragon all on his own. Okay, let's see how he does it. Yep. And Penance is just but... like, eh, I'll watch. Sure. And Lobdell does this thing. Um, it, this is the first time I think the script sort of isn't bad, but it falters immensely. Like the all of the barbs and the mm-hmm. between the characters, right? I feel like the whole whole thing's off since they've entered this. Yeah, yeah. Film. I agree. But anyway, yeah, no, these were all like the tropey, like, oh, but I've got chutzpah. You know, like, uh, why would Skin ever say chutzpah? Like, that's not. <laughs> Where did you get this from? Did you travel back into like the forties for like old Superman dialogue to, to put in here? I don't. Especially he's Latino. He wouldn't. Yeah. I like that. He would have a different sort of lexicon mm-hmm. compared to like exactly. Yes. It, it felt really out of it. Um, but uh, he's fighting, and then we cut to who's supposed to be Jubilee, but looks nothing like Jubilee, uh, yelling at M, who's catatonic. Uh, M flies off. Husk is like, well, I know what to do. I'll turn into a big metal woman. And so we get to draw sort of a naked Husk again. Um, yep. They they use some teamwork to open the, the, the door to the furnace of this giant machine. They're like, we need some energy. What are we going to do? And, and Banshee's like, well, my screams work? No. And I was like, well, my powers work? No. What are we going to do? Uh, and then we see that um, Skin and the dragon have fallen down like this mountain. And... <laughs> <laughs> like it's a, a good battle's happening, um, and uh, Skin's uh, he might be this might be the end for him until Penance shows up and like pricks this dragon in the tail once, and I guess that's the end of the fight because we never actually get to see what happens, but I guess yep. it it was enough to make the dragon run away. Obviously, mm-hmm. diamond hard, diamond hard finger tips. So. Sure, I mean I'm sure it hurt, but uh... <laughs> falling down a. <laughs> Falling down a mountain may have had more. Yes. <laughs> so they're like, what are we going to do with the furnace? And Chamber's like, I know what I have to do. Like, it's supposed to be a big sacrifice or something. And he goes in there and he, like, shoots out his energy in a, a, a one page spread that's. I guess it's. Is this not digital? I don't. The coloring here is just, like, big, big red in the middle of bland castle. I don't know. It feels very phoned in. And then Chamber comes out. He's like, did I do it? And they're like, yeah, you did. Good job, buddy. I don't feel like there's any sort of big sacrifice that happened here. Do you? Nope. Okay, then. And then all... (laughs) There's nothing there. Yeah. I feel like he's always... uh, Like, he's got all this energy that he could cut loose at any time, and he's always holding it back. This is a chance to, like, actually let go and use it, so to speak. And they're like, oh, what a sacrifice. 
Like, no, he probably enjoyed letting some of this out, I would think. Yep. But, alas. Yep. Uh, and then Skin and Pence come in, and, like, everyone's celebrating because the furnace is working. And Skin's like, oh, you cele- you celebrating my defeat of the dragon? And then was like, fuck off, Skin. And he's like, what the hell? <laughs> all right, just ignore all the all the cool stuff I did. Uh, later that night, they have a party, and they're celebrating, and M and uh, Emma have a moment, and uh, the end. I, I'm just glad this this is over with. Uh, is that is that my review? Yes, I'm glad it's over. I really don't want to read the death whale of the banshee either. It feels like it's connected too much to what we were just read. Um, yeah, and it's the same penciler next time, so. Yummy. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. think there's um, a distinct lack of like substance to this issue, much like Excalibur. Um, that it feels like they they went to the fairy world and Lovedell was like, "This is a great idea," and then halfway through the first script, he's like, "This is a shit idea. I should never have done that." <laughs> what was I, I thinking? All I wanted to do was have skin fight a dragon. I could have done that in the Danger Grotto. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so he makes like this really like you can tell the bit that he likes because it's the bit that seems to buzz a little bit more than the rest. And yes, then he's just yes. like, "I have all these characters. What do I do with them?" Well, Monet can be catatonic until I need her um, to explain away how to win. <laughs> like she's like, um, she's not. It's like she's got. All, I feel like he's. You know that it's that Superman syndrome of well, she's super powerful, right? So she could have helped, but we'll just make her catatonic. So that I don't have to write her winning all the time. Mm. Um, and I don't know, like the fun's kind of like the fun between them all. The characters have kind of like fallen down. I don't feel like they would basically tell Skin to sort off all the time. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the team that they had established with the nice dynamics is really happening here. It's just we're here. I guess I got to finish the pages. Uh, so. I I suppose this is around the time that Lubdell was writing quite a few other bits and bobs. Right, right, and right. Before the, before the dark times where he just left Marvel. So maybe mm. he's just like, mm, I get. I love how it's like now, though, after is this so many issues that he's like, oh, I can get away with like phoning it in, even though it's not even been 10 issues yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and this issue just doesn't, it didn't even compare to the last one. Like, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the last one, but at least it, there was sort of things to maybe say were good here. Here it's like the digital colouring is just like a virus. It just permeates everything and just makes it horrible to mm. read. Um, the artwork just isn't up to scratch in places and people just look really odd all the time. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Agreed. Well, that was that. Let's uh, let's move on. Um, we've been in kind of a funk uh, with these three issues, Dan. Do you think uh, the new issue of Excalibur can pull us out? I hope so. Um, so, Excalibur number one, 2019. Um, the Dawn of X era, I suppose. Um, and on the cover by Mahmoud Azwa is our team of merry mutants. We have uh, Captain Britain, who is now being um, played by Betsy Baddock instead of Brian uh, this time around. We have Jubilee in a newish costume. Um, Gambit 
Apocalypse, which I suppose Apocalypse is the wild card pick for the team. Uh-huh. Um, Richter, who... Um, it's not spoilers, in the issue. Spoilers doesn't appear. And um, Rogue. So, and if, if by any um, miraculous... Um, you don't know any of these characters. We do get a sort of one of those classic. I I do like pages which tell you where who's in the book. Mm. I don't know why. Mm. We do get one of those. Um, so it's written by uh, Teeny Howard, uh, Marcus Toe's artist. We've got Eric Arsenega as the color artist, uh, VCs Corey Petit as the letterer, and Tom Muller is on designs. Uh-huh. With um. As I said, um, as well with Matthew Wilson as the cover artist. Um, there's like a million variant covers, none of which I've seen. Um, and we start with Apocalypse, or I don't know how to pronounce his new name. I'm still just going to call him Apocalypse. Uh-huh. Uh, giving a little like sort of rundown about magic and how science hid magic for a while, but now magic can come back. And... That's kind of the premise of the book, is this is the magical X-book. Um, right, which, you know, thematically, it's weird to have Apocalypse, who's the guy who's more about science and, and just, like, genetic evolution, being the guy to to spearhead the, hey, magic's a real thing, guys. Let's 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 look into magic. It, uh, I suppose... It's a little off-brand. It is. I suppose it's the whole, like, he's lived forever business. Um <laughs> Sure. For, for those of you who don't know, and I feel like we should probably do a quick recap, um, there was a massive event this summer called House of X and Powers of Ten, and those two books combined to make a new status quo, which is all mutants live on a paradise island of Krakoa, and each individual book is picking up a part of that story, and Excalibur is picking up the sort of, I'd, I'd say, the mystical side mm-hmm. of... Of, of, or maybe like the otherworldly side. Um, do you see what I did there? Um, of um, it was bad. It was bad. It's fine. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm I, I understand <coughs> that my, my, my um, comedy isn't perfect timing. Um, so like yes. Yeah, so Excalibur's like set in that that place where Excalibur used to always be in the weird and the wonderful. And we start at Camelot, um, which is under siege. By some dudes. Um, well, we start in Otherworld at Camelot. Mm-hmm. And uh, big bad villain Morgana the Fae um, isn't best pleased about being under siege, but she's even more pissed off about a pool of water, which is the sole magical power of the land, being infected um, by a weed, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. And then. We move over to, after I move, oh yes, there's lots of pages of things. We move over to the um, Braddock Academy, which I forgot was a thing. Um, because it's been ages since I've read Avengers Academy. Is it Avengers Academy? Avengers Arena, where mm-hmm. it was a battle royale with Avengers kids. Um, and we have Betsy moving out of the Academy, because she's going to Krakoa. And we have Megan and Brian and, what is the girl? The, their little daughter called? Uh, I don't remember. We only had that one issue, really, with the the baby, and it was not a good issue. It was that uh, it was an annual that that we were kind of looking forward to, and I remember we both really didn't like it. This is true, but anyway, so we have a nice little moment for you, classic ex Excalibur fans, where Megan changes her hair color to suit the dress that she that Psylocke said you can borrow. 
um, which was a nice nod to what she usually does. That was kind of but the highlight cool. of the issue for me, I think. What, her having a hair change? Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's insane. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yes, so they go through... So Brian goes through the... Brian? Whoops. Betsy goes through the portal, and I always forget Brian's not a mutant. But... Um, now we know. And um, foreshadowing, she mentions her brother's name as she goes through the bottle. And then she's... Everyone's just basically hanging out on Krakoa, just drinking, having a party. And uh, everyone's like, oh, hi! Psylocke, and she's like, just call me Betsy. And then, ominously, Apocalypse is watching them all. Um, shout out to X-Men Red. Trinary uh, appears in the background and says about a portal that's not opening for some reason. One of the Krakoan portals. And from the distance, Gambit's just staring at Apocalypse. And inside Apocalypse's like, um, personal study, which has theoretical gates. This is where it gets a bit heady. Uh, Apocalypse is all like, ooh. And he gets um, some Kryptonian crystals out of a little bag. And um, they are just Kryptonian crystals, let's be fair. It feels, it feels very Superman. Mm-hmm. Each crystal does all. And the portal's like, shut, like blocked from the other end. And he's like, we will need to breach it. Um, and then we have this, like, sort of Kukron Grimoire, where it talks about, like, magic being as above, so below, but the new X symbol, which actually def- defines why the X symbol and everything is like that, mm-hmm. by the way. No, I, I really, this is, out of the, um, like, design pages in the book, I think this was the most relevant and the most interesting for me. Yeah, because it talks about, like, um, the magic circle uh, was abolished because um, it's weak. And so um, this is where they created the X, which is superior, because it only needs four points of origin right, right. magic, um, which I thought was a neat idea. And like actually having that be the reason why the X symbol has changed and that it's actually about magic rather than it just a design choice mm. was uh, quite nice. Or just explaining where a design choice either totally. way. And then we um we end up in my my neck of the woods. I'm actually about an hour away from the moors, um, in North Yorkshire, literally. There you go. I could try I could travel to this place if it was real. Um. But anyway, yes, we end up at a magic school, uh, with some people being all all upset because magic ghosts is happening. The Morgan the Fae appears, tells them about um the Krakoan crap. These teacher and her students are like oh you mean the mutants and she's like oh you go kill the witch breeds uh do what i want or, or don't um then we're back on the island psylocke has a glen i assume that's kiwana or kiwanan the, the girl with the dark hair could be yeah so they sort of look at each other and then she's like ah! and then jubilee's there with shogo so it's nice to see the kids still still around um and then uh, they're going to do something with Jubilee, and then Fab- like Goldboss turns up, but he's now called Egg, which is just the worst. I love that that Sonic's like, yeah, that name's not going to stick. Sorry, <laughs> we're yeah. we're still going to call you Goldboss. <laughs> and then we have like a really fun sequence where um, Sonic's kind of shocked, but her brother, the crazy reality warping Jamie Braddock, is alive and just bathing in a pod with some wine. And she's a bit annoyed and pissed off. And then he's also kind of like talking about the idea that he 
feels like he belongs there. He shouldn't go back to see his brother because he doesn't trust human beings because of what his parents have done to him. And it actually makes perfect sense. And I like the fact that she sort of chastises him by, like, hurting his wrist while he's trying to get ahead of himself. And then he does sort out the place. And they're like, we probably should deal with this at some point. I, um, I like that. Remember early in Hoxpox, they had a, a list of all the Omega Mutants and Jamie was listed there? So I'm, I'm glad to see that it wasn't just a list. Like, hopefully those characters are going to have something to do uh, with the, the individual X, X series. And it's a perfect place for Jamie to show up again and maybe play a, a role here. Um, hopefully it's not not just like the creepy, drug-addled, like, weird mind-warping thing that he did in, in Excalibur previously. Hopefully he'll have a, a bigger role to play here. I, I found the character really intriguing in how, like, awful he is but all also how tortured he is and, and his powers allow you to do all kinds of crazy stuff so i'm excited to see him right. be used and i like the fact that one of the special five fabian is um actually being used outside of that sequence in yeah. box and box yeah and i do like the fact that he's like can you please leave you're messing up the eggs and i'm like <laughs> yes <laughs> and obviously um Psylocke is stopped by apocalypse and the apocalypse is talking about um we need to go to a place. It's uh, um, the, the the portal is to Otherworld, and the only person we know that can do that is obviously Captain Britain with his amulet. And she's like, good, I need to go get my brother anyway because uh, we need to talk about Jamie. And I actually think the, the what I'm liking about it is that they've put the drama solely on the Braddock family at right. the moment. Right. And I feel like if that's the through line, because at the same time, uh, Betsy's getting... There's hints that Betsy's still acclimatizing to her new body. Mm-hmm. Or the her old body, whatever you want to call it. The, her being British again. Um, right. And so she um, goes back to the Braddock Academy and never really know, her and uh, Brian have a... Because we never really see them having moments together. Very rarely, yeah. And we find out about Krakoan costume technology where they can basically turn their costumes on when they want to, mm-hmm. thanks to whatever... Krakoa spits out of its ground, I imagine. And they have a really nice moment together where they teleport to um, Otherworld. And this is one of the first times where I actually really like Sarlox's new costume. Yeah. I've been um and ah, um and ah for, for a while, and I quite like it. Yeah, I, uh, I like how it's drawn here and colored. I also want to point out that while I do like the way that we, we see Captain Britain here, I much prefer like the big, beefy, like like dumb, dumb idiot uh, look. That we have yes. in the in the original Excalibur, because here he feels much more of a swimmer's swimmer's sort of body, and it it doesn't have the same sort of impact. You know what I mean? Maybe he lost lost weight because he's a dad now. Sure, he's not superhero anymore. No, I, I agree with you. I think his big, ridiculously overimposing sort of look is is a better Captain Britain. Mm. Um, so they turn up in Otherworld, and Morgana Le Fay is like, "Yep, yeah, I'm awesome. Can you help me with this pool of water?" Um, and she's um, consumed and brainwashed the students from that school. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to the beach where Rogue and um, Gambit are together, and Rogue's talking about how um, she doesn't want to use the inhibitor. But I, I'm Rogue is very complicated at the moment. I haven't really finished all of Mr. and Mrs. X, so I have no idea where her powers are at this present moment in time. The last time I truly knew where powers were was uncanny avengers 
Um, so are we? Are we? Are we here to assume that she just has a normal? I touch things, I absorb them. Power. Yeah, I think it's it. it's still back to the the old old uh, standard. And um, it was nice to the idea that because um, obviously they're married, and it was nice to see that she's like, let's do that one rule, make one mutants, and I thought that was quite sweet. Yes, uh, yeah. Like a, quite a sweet moment, and I do like that Trinary is kind of like Apocalypse's PA mm-hmm. at the moment, and and I love the way she's dressed as well, and. What we get is a massive amount of dialogue. Like, I'm not going to lie. Um, Claremontian level? Yes. This next, like, it has, the dialogue has been heavy. There's so much being thrown at us as a reader, um, conceptually. Mm. And all it comes down to is Apocalypse is like, right, so this can't open. Maybe if you touch it, it'll open it. And Gambit's not very particularly happy, so he's staying. And then... Um, they call up Jubilee right. because Jubilee had a conversation with Psylocke, right? Yeah, yeah. That, which seemed really tangential to get her part of the team. Yeah, yeah, but, but still. The, <laughs> the book is very much uh, getting the band back together. Mm-hmm. And um, it feels very tangential, um, but apparently she will. I do like the fact that only Rogue pronounces Apocalypse's new name properly. Everyone else just calls him Apocalypse. Right. Um, I love Jubilee. Jubilee's dialogue is quite fun mm-hmm. in this book. And, I, and know... I, I do like this costume of hers. I know she's had it for a while, but I do enjoy that they, they keep the coat, they highlight the pink, but it's more of a an adult sort of full, full-fledged full X-Men sort of outfit. I, I really do like it. I agree. I think it's a really lovely. I, I also, um, I'm never going to question what Apocalypse can and can't do, because I was like, he's psychic? Right, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, um, sure, whatevs. So then we um, jump back into Otherworld and the uh, uh, Braddocks are getting attacked by left, right, and center. And Morgana's like, oh, he is of, he, Captain Britain's of Otherworld, so he's going to be my pawn. And Betsy tries to stop her, but he's consumed by darkness and turns into like a evil knight. But before he, he um, fully gets consumed, he gives the amulet to Betsy. Mm-hmm. And um, back on Kokoa, Apocalypse is like, I can feel her now, like, now Rogue do it. And then he communicates with Psylocke um, to break the pole, so she slings one of her psychic swords into it. Everything explodes. Rogue sort of feels off and then is encased in vines and put to sleep. Mm. It's a weird moment. And then um, Psylocke's like, yeah, I'm going to try and defeat you, but um, Brian stops her and then She's like, I won't go. Like, I will come back and get you as she teleports away. And then we have this really lovely picture of Rogue, um, almost like a Sleeping Beauty. Right. Um, I I do like um, how you know Braddock's Brian's taken over as sort of this Dark Knight, but we have a a moment where you see his eyes and he's he's really trying to fight it. So when he gives the amulet yeah. to Psylocke, he knows that he's helping her to escape. Uh, it was yep. really nice, you know, brother sister. I could see the relationship there moment. And I like the fact that Gambit's like, right, I'm going to fucking kill you to Apocalypse. And then Apocalypse's like, mm-hmm. yep, whatever. And then um, I love that there's a moment earlier where Gambit's like, I'll kill you. And Apocalypse is like, fine, I'll just come back, you know. Like, we have these portals, <laughs> these eggs over here. I'll just be right back. And I do like the fact that um, Apocalypse is like, uh, you stand in the presence of a hero of legend. As everyone's like, oh, hello, Betsy. And she's there in her new uh, Captain Britain costume, which I must admit I am 
well on board with that mm-hmm. costume. Yeah. The psychic thought and everything. And um, she just asks what happened to Rogue, and that's the end of the issue, is it not? No, we have a little epilogue. Sorry, I'm reading it physically, and it's got like four adverts before the emblem. Um, so we have a little epilogue with the main um, teacher of the magic school has moved off and is gone down some stairs, and we find out she's part of um, the Akaba coven, which is Apocalypse's cult. Right. And that's where we end the issue with uh, the invocation of gods, and they t- we, you, there's like a little bit about um, Coven Akaba. I say that properly, I have no idea. And um, that's it. Yeah. That's just coming through. As you, as you mentioned, there's so much going on in this issue conceptually getting the characters together their interactions the the family uh backdrop for the braddocks there's there's so much going on here it's it's quite a heavy issue not in like deep things happen but just just so much is happening it's a lot to process it uh do you know what i'm just sorry to cut in no do you know what it reminds me of it feels like a not a love letter but it feels like in the spirit of claremont's excalibur Mm -hmm. when that first started it feels like is everything we're just gonna vomit up onto the page sure then we'll sort we'll sort out as we um as we go on there was set i'll let you look ahead finish your thought no go ahead i was gonna say the the certain things here that i am not completely enamored with Mm -hmm. like i'm really I understand she has to become Captain Britain, but I'm kind of like, because Otherworld is such a fucking weird place. Like at one point, Otherworld had just goats having a civil war. At some point, like goat animal people having a civil war. Uh-huh. It had nothing to do with Camelot, and then there is Camelot, and then there's the Council of Captain Britons, and then this, 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 and I'm like, when is Morgan the Fay here now? You know what I mean? Mm. Like he could have been um, Satyan instead as the main sort of sorceress uh-huh. villain. But um, I'm on, I'm on board with the mystical and the magical. I was kind of like, Ugh, it feels extraneous. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Um, I feel like it might be weaved better in later issues. Yeah. When, you know, when, when, when they actually all go there. Yeah. You know, thematically, there's that portal that is broken and they have trouble getting through. It's 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 very symbolic in the way that I had trouble sort of fully buying into this issue it's like okay the characters i'm there for but this magic is feels kind of shoehorned into the 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 world of the x-men uh that has been very much about science and and gods and 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 interactions between two different species this is like oh uh, by the way there's this crazy magic and and the dude who's all about evolution oh he's also into magic I, i i there was that barrier that i had trouble getting into I, I think. Go like, on, sorry. Well, there's. I, I think there's the characters that their interactions I I enjoyed. I I felt they felt true. Like Gambit being untrusting of Apocalypse felt very on on brand. I love Rogue and Gambit talking about maybe making a family. The little piece of Jubilee we got was nice, and the and the, the Braddock family interaction was great. Um, but it's just so much happening uh, here. It's. It really takes maybe multiple issues or a few days to really like not wrap your head around but not in a way because it's big ideas but just so much is happening to really process where all the the, the chess pieces are if you know what i mean yeah i feel like um because otherworld is such an excalibur thing 
like Claremont's Excalibur, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the magic, everything, all of that was in Excalibur. Like as you well know, we've read it, we've been reading it all the time. Like all that crazy, that kind of magical, mystical crazy is all there. Mm-hmm. But the X the X Men themselves and these characters of X Men, apart from uh, Betsy, have never really interacted with that universe. Right. And so it fe- and and with with Krakoa being based in a, a, a biotechnological um, standpoint, and with all the other books being sort of, for want of a better word, realistic, mm-hmm. it does feel like it is nice that there's a different flavor for everyone. But it did feel like um, jumping straight into the magic. I was kind of like, whoa, okay, so we're just going for it. Like, there's no right. There's no like rhyme or like. I feel like it's fine, and like um, we're gonna have, it's gonna be fun. I think, like I, I am on board with um, weird, up his own ass monk, celestial. Oh, I loved Apocalypse in here. I I loved how he's written. I love like his machinations. <laughs> I love his attitude. It was just like he's into magic now. Suddenly, <laughs> to be honest, I was just sat there going, "Fair enough, I'll go with it." Because <laughs> some, some, to be fair, he is so like. Out of all the characters, he just stood out straight away. Uh-huh. Not because he's like physically, but because Howard has such a like he is apocalypse. The way he talks is exactly how I've always like sure. he always has been. But he's got what he wants now. Like he he literally got what he wants. He's got like an island. Uh, the mutants are moving to become the superior dominant force on right. the planet. Um, and so he's like taken off his armor and he's now wearing like a robe. And he's got his own like yes. study room. I love his and costume. He's got, like, yeah, he just looks so cool, and he sounds so great. And I love how he just sneers at people. Mm-hmm. And he's still got that villainous edge when like Gambit's trying to like tell him he's gonna get, and he's like, "Yeah, whatever, mate. Um, I'm still, I'm still apocalypse." <laughs> and and like Gambit, like, Gambit feels true. Rogue, I liked Rogue and Gambit together. I do feel like, and I like the fact that Rogue's kind of like, okay, whatever. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of liked Jubilee, and I I really like Betsy. So it was nice to see her be the through line sure, of it, and sure. her being um, like the idea of her being uh, not totally part of herself, um, not feeling at home with her family, mm. not totally feeling at home on Krakoa, but thinking it's a fresh start, right? As well, and then she's going to get this new sort of mantle as it moves forward. Um, but let's be honest, the absolute standout is the art. Like, All right, I, we might have issues here then. I I love Marcus Toe's art. Most of the, the certain, certain panels of artwork, I really loved it. Like, I love the color of it as well. All the colors were lovely. So, right. conceptually, story-wise, I think we all enjoyed the characters. It was yes. the, the, I don't know, the themes or the... The, the magical part that we felt like there was a disconnect, right? It was it was a little yeah. jarring. So in the same way with the artwork, I loved all the character work. Everything outside of it was really bland and just like blank, blank color on a background happening here. Um, and I thought Marcus Toe's character work, great. The art, the color work, I feel like sometimes it's just, all right, this, this, this is a screen of all pink. It's a pink hue. All right, this one has a green hue. All right, this one has a blue hue. It, it felt... It didn't pop to me. It felt like it was it was holding it back a little bit more. So for me, the artwork, I character-wise, loved it. Everything outside of the individual character pieces, 
Mm, it was it was lacking for me. I don't know. I really like the pastel cart color work of it. I like like when Morgan appears um, to the students in that blue green, like like the the variations of blue to green down mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. I do like I do like some of like the pastel colors of of Krakoa, where quite it like Apocalypse Place kind of mimics Greece. Um, and I do like the fact that um, Krakoa is perpetually bathed in like a sunlight, like a like a like a dawn, <laughs> like a red dawn all the time. Um, I see what you're saying with certain colors. Like I think that at the Braddock um, place where there's just pink everywhere is a little much sometimes. Um, but I was, I think it's because I just, I generally just really enjoyed the way it looked. I think it was um, the colors remind me more like a fable. Um, the way mm. you colored like a tapestry, I suppose. But um, mm. it, much like you, I know you're not convinced. Much like you, it is the character work which really shined for me. And I think after reading the other three issues at the same time as this one, uh-huh. I was just like, maybe that's colored my uh, perception of it. But I generally think that like the character work is really good. Sure. And um, Betsy actually looks English, mm-hmm. which since she transformed to English has not happened yet until right, this right. No, no. I, I, I can't, you know, accentuate it more. The the way all the characters are drawn, the, the costuming, like especially Apocalypse's new like robe, uniform. We we talked about Jubilee's outfit. Obviously the new Captain Britain look is is superb. All wonderful stuff. It's it's everything one layer back that feels yeah it's the, it's the background <laughs> yes it's definitely i mean the pages where uh, there's this page where uh betsy actually puts on the amulet and every background is just a solid like pink or blue or white sort of happening it's yeah or the page before that where she's fighting morgan lefay it's it's very empty backgrounds and it it's not something i paid as much attention to before I started reading comics and, and podcasting with you, but you've made me really look at, yeah, look at the other details. And I'm like, this feels a little lacking. Like it feels kind of empty. I, I enjoy everything that's happening in the foreground, but everything behind it seems like kind of a wasted opportunity. I don't need super intricate, like Bacalo or, or Davis going on, but this feels sometimes like, uh, whatever, just like, throw, yeah, throw the color there and let's move on. Yes, I agree. I am going through it now, literally looking at it, and I'm like, yeah, this one has no background. This is just color. Like some of it makes sense. Like when she's talking to Apocalypse and uh-huh. there's the sunshine behind them, and it's there, it's the window outside. I imagine the perspective is right. So that makes sense. Nothing behind them. But then other times where it should be something, there is nothing mm. there. Yeah, so I agree with you there. But I just really, really, really enjoyed it. Like I really, really like the. Co- Maybe it's all um, the other Excalibur's fault. Oh, gen- <laughs> to be honest, I read this after Generation X, so mm-hmm. maybe it's Generation X. Oh, look, <laughs> I was just like, so let um, me be clear. I don't think it's bad in any way. That's oh, not no, what I, I'm saying. The both thing, I'm that you you have my higher standards this time round. <laughs> um, <and> <laughs> my standards seem to have lowered a little bit, but I think it's because I just um, enjoyed the book as a whole. Um, sure. I know that when we first when we first read them, I really enjoyed it a lot more straight away than. But I think I was just rolling with the punches. Looking back on it, reading it again, I have more reservations like you did the first time around, mm-hmm. where the magic seems... Unless the magic can be worked better later. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if they just go, fuck it, let's go to Otherworld and save your your brother, and we're just in Otherworld, 
for a while, I'll be fine with it. But yeah. It's like a like if it just juxt- if it constantly juxtaposes both. I think the and with the magic being just like, oh, we're Arthurian legend, um, it might not work. Yeah. On the whole. Yeah, it just it didn't really seem to fit the theme of everything happening with X Men now, and and you know it, as you mentioned, if they jump in like into the deep end, I'll probably be on board with it. It, it feels like with this Coven Akaba thing happening, that Apocalypse has some sort of plan uh, that will hopefully tie this all together a little bit better but as a first issue especially compared to the other like marauders or x-men first issue it felt like oh this isn't this isn't quite what i thought was going to happen and and in a way that felt i keep using the word brand but a little bit off brand for what hawksbox introduced which could be good it you know it's definitely off definitely off brand Mm. um it definitely fulfills the spiritual requirements to be an Excalibur book, which sure. is totally off brand the rest of the line. <laughs> um, I will admit, and for people who listen to the Snitcast, this is a tiny spoiler. It 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 comes second in the three books we've read so far hmm. of the Dawn of X. Really? I won't say who the I won't say who the first or the, or the third is, but it is the second place. Well, now so I, I think I know where you, you're going. Okay. People who read my Twitter probably know where I'm going. To be fair, um, I've tried not to tweet about them, but yeah, um, but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I think for me, it's probably the the out of those three, it's the the least of them. But but let me X-Pos. preface. Yeah, let, I'm sorry. I said Xbox hasn't come out yet. So um. right. Well, <laughs> of the three that have come out so far, I'd, I'd put it at the, at the bottom. However, that doesn't mean it's a bad book. Uh, oh, I, no, like, no. I like to preface. I mean, we're going to rate this, but I want to say this feels above competent, but not great. Uh, you, you know what I mean? There, there are definite issues here, but there are definite wonderful points uh, of, of joy in the artwork. Uh, not like joy coming out of the artwork, but my joy from looking at the artwork or, or the themes of the characters. There's some great stuff happening here, but it's not all great. And compared to Hoxpox... Or some of the other issues, it's a little bit lacking. But compared to like Rosenberg or where we've been with the X Men for the last, I don't know, five six years, this is maybe still that, great stuff. Yeah, maybe that's the problem. Maybe I want some sort of euphoric high that we no longer have to read that shit. But, um, <laughs> anything that's slightly better is better. Right. Um, but um, if we are going to rate this, um, how many bounce would you rate it before you pass out like Nightcrawler would? <laughs> um, if our, our, we are um, we are uh, going one to five, right? That's our rating system. We haven't really rated a new book in a, in a while. No, but yes, it is. I think. Um, yeah, I will. I will give it shit out of five. I wouldn't. I don't know, like three and a half out of five. I think. Um, it wasn't great enough. It's definitely not a perfect book for me, and I think it still falls a little bit below like the really excellent book. Um, because some of it is still a little bit jarring, but I give it three out of five. In a, in a like, I like a lot of it, and I'm looking forward to where we're heading next. Um, but it just didn't quite all together work for me. That's fair. Um, I'd give it a, a not so solid four, sort of like a low, low end of the four. But I quite enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with it when I read it the first time around. Like, mm. um. I'm quite. I'm just excited to see where it goes, and not many comic books have made me like yay in a while. So um, <laughs> I'll, give it, I'll give it. I'll give it a four for sheer like emotional value. 
there you go. All right. Well, that was Excalibur number one, which uh, I, I think we were super excited about, and I think that also plays into a part of why maybe we weren't fully uh, bought into the first issue. We, we we had a high, we put our expectations are really high on this one, so um, yes, yeah, definitely. But I I enjoyed the book, and I'm I'm looking forward to more. Um, you know, moving forward, Dan, we're definitely covering Excalibur. And we we talked about covering uh, New Mutants, which I don't think comes out for a while still. Yeah, it's not for it's... two Wait, or three uh, weeks. This, this book has a release schedule in it. Uh, what are we on? Oh, it's the next week. It's literally next week. <gasps> there you go. Oh. New Mutants is next week, so but we don't see Excalibur again until the twentieth of November. Okay, well. <laughs> It's a, it's a, oh, geez, that's a wait. Well, um, we will cover, oh, I guess next next episode then we'll probably cover um, uh, New Mutants for sure and maybe Excalibur, but that might might be uh, an issue afterward, an episode afterward since it's such a, a late release. But uh, so it was good talking regular, regular like non-Hoxpox books with you, Dan. It was good to get back to our bread and butter, even if some of the, the bread was a little stale. Even if the bread's stale, at least it's better than some of the shit we've read. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yes, it's been, it's been a pleasure. Definitely. All right, well, um, that was our, our early October episode. Uh, we did watch uh, Generation X, the movie, the made-for-TV pilot slash movie, which we will be talking about uh, shortly. And you'll probably hear us on uh, the Snickcast in, in a week or so talking about the the other X books, but uh, this was fun, Dan. Thank you so much. Where, where can everyone find us? Um, you can find us on Podbean uh, forward slash Excalibros. That's the best way. You can type us into Google and we do pop up. Um, and at Excalibros one is our Twitter handle, which is the best place to see all the things that we chat about and to see if your reactions to the brand new Excalibur. Um, so yes. Yeah, I also want to give a shout out to. Uh, what would Cap do on Twitter who runs the Sentinel of Liberty podcast for just being a, a nice friend on Twitter it's been uh, nice interacting with you so thank you very much and thank you for the shout out on, on your podcast as well yeah that was lovely I appreciate it alright well Hi. awesome Dan uh, thanks so much and we'll talk to you later bye bye bye